Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. We are ready to have a great show today. But first, I want to send a special hello out to my great friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, we all love you in the disability community. Thank you for everything you do, and thank you for keeping Justin Dart's spirit with us. Today... It is my pleasure to have two really great people on the show, Chris and Christy Hall. They are two champions fighting for children living with disabilities. I'm so excited to have them, but I'm going to let them tell you their story. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Will you tell our listeners first what a hemispherectomy is and how that first impacted you and Christy? You bet, Joyce. Thank you so much for having us on your show today. Um, this is, of course, one of our big passions, and uh, I'm so excited to be here and, and with Christy and to tell you all about it. So our organization, the Hemispherectomy Foundation, is named after hemispherectomy, and what that is is it's, it's a radical brain surgery, okay, helping people with epilepsy. So it's usually on children. Uh, every once in a while, it'll be done on uh, an older, uh, young adults or uh, adults, but it's it's used to stop seizures when nothing else works. I mean, these kids have tried medicines, they've tried vagus nerve stimulators, they've tried all the latest, and nothing else works. So it's it's really a last resort treatment of children with epilepsy. Um, so basically, when you break it down, hemispherectomy, hemisphere is half of a sphere, which they're talking about the brain. Ectomy is removal. So quite literally what they're saying in this name is, is that doctors go in and remove half the brain of a child. And, and you and your listeners ask, well, why in the world would anyone ever do that? Well, it's strange but true that, that children often do much, much better with half of a good brain than a whole brain where one half is seizing all the time and mixing up the whole communication between the whole brain. So it's really kind of strange that, that that's the way it works. And and um, and so anyway, a complicated term, but hemispherectomy. That's that's it. And before I ask you why that impacted you, a question I have: mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is this a life-threatening type surgery? Uh, yes, uh, it, it definitely is. I mean, any, any time a surgeon goes in through the dura and through the skull and, and works around or in the brain, um, and in this case they're actually removing a significant amount of brain tissue, it is definitely life-threatening. And, you know, as many of my listeners know, I'm living with epilepsy, and I had a terrible accident 
1985, as a result of the epilepsy, I had a seizure at a movie theater and hit my head so hard, I fractured my skull, had an intracranial brain hemorrhage, broke all the bones in my right ear, and ended up having life-saving brain surgery. <clears throat> but that was a craniotomy, and compared to what you're talking about, I know it's hard to believe any brain surgery is minor. But compared to what you're talking about, it is minor. And so, you know, that must really take a lot of fortitude for parents to agree to do that. Absolutely. A lot of fortitude, a lot of trust in the, in the doctors and the surgeons. They really have to kind of give it up uh, to, the, to the hospital staff and say, we trust you with our child's life. And how about the child? How do you get the child prepared for something like that? Um, it depends on their age. So, so this surgery is performed on children anywhere from, you know, several weeks old to in their teens. So depending on the age, um, for example, our daughter, Jessie, um, who started seizing when she was five, uh, could understand things. And we could, you know, she was a normally developing child um, up to the point she started having seizures. And, and so we could explain to her. We explained to her what was going to happen and where we were going to go to have it done. And, and she accepted it, but at a five-year-old level, right, not, at, not if you were trying to explain it to a 13-year-old who would just be mortified, you know, at the thought of it. Right. Well, I am familiar with it. I'm familiar with it only because I was so involved in the world of epilepsy and was the national chair of the board. And I know when you tell people this, they just cannot envision how anyone could function that way. But just as you said, for many people, this is a better choice for a quality of life. But, Christy, I have mm -hmm. to ask you now. What did you know about this surgery when you first heard about it, and what impact did that have on you? Well, uh, we first heard about it when our daughter, Jessie, uh, was first diagnosed with epilepsy, but then her, she started having symptoms kind of outside the norm of what you think of the epilepsy. Her fingers would start to twitch 24-7, and we were doing a lot of research online, and Chris especially, he would be up hours and hours all night long uh, researching. And one day he motioned me over the computer and he said, now, <clears throat> this is extreme and I'm sure Jesse doesn't have this disease, but look at this disease and look what they're recommending to, to help with it. It's a hemispherectomy. They're removing half of a child's brain. Can you believe it? <laughs> of course, I could not believe it. I couldn't even grasp the thought of it. And um, so we, you know, quickly dismissed it because, of course, Jesse wouldn't need that surgery. But then as time went on and um, her disease, Rasmussen encephalitis, kept resurfacing as probably what was going on. And then finally when the neurosurgeon sat us down in the consultation room, we, we had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen, but still hearing it from the doctor's mouth. <laughs> you know, she has to undergo a hemispherectomy, it, it just absolutely blew us away. Um, you know, until that point, until you heard it from someone else, it was something you just read about. It wasn't really real. But then when you uh, hear it coming from your neurosur neurosurgeon or your neurologist, it, um, it's like someone kicking you in the stomach. You can't breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I I would be the same way. Was Jesse having nonstop seizures? Is that what was happening? You know, we didn't really realize that she was. She would have complex partial seizures that were gradually building in number, but she started having this twitching with her fingers and in her face, and we did not realize it at the time until later, but that she was having seizures 24-7 nonstop. So that term is called, um, and forgive me if I mispronounce it, epilepsy continui partialis, mm-hmm. or EPC. <clears throat> and so you see this a lot in um, brain diseases that, especially Rasmussen's encephalitis, that may affect one side of the brain. And is that, was the diagnosis of your daughter? Yes. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I think that not enough people know about this because, Chris, isn't it true you searched and searched and searched for a support group without much success? And, and why do you think that was? Yeah, Joy, it's true. There was there was almost no, uh, no information out there. And, and luckily, unlike people, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago that didn't have the Internet, at least we had the Internet. Um, but there wasn't much there, and, and you know, we we just wanted someone to talk to. That's it. Someone that had been there to help us through and navigate this path. And 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 there was really nothing. We, you know, we tried to contact some of the larger epilepsy organizations, and and uh, they really couldn't help us. And we participated in some online forums, and there wasn't much help there. And and, and I'm not not slamming those organizations in any, in any way because they do a great job. But what I'm saying is, is it's so rare. And, and there's so few that they really didn't know what to do to help us. Um, you know, in the, in the parent groups, the parent forums we participated in, there were two things going on there, I think. This is just my opinion. One is there were very few uh, that had any experience or none. And the second was, that quite frankly, it scared the heck out of the parents that were, that were communicating with us because, you know, they, their child had epilepsy, but... The last thing they wanted is for their child's epilepsy to develop into the kind of epilepsy our child had. So I think it was kind of scary for them to talk to us. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's wonderful that you did all of this because I'm sure there were many people in your same situation that wanted someone to talk to because it is so unusual. That's right, and, and we finally <clears throat> found a, a small group um, of individuals that had set up a, a group on an online forum, and that was really the start of us building a rather large uh, network of uh, families uh, that could help each other. Um, and just so our, our uh, listeners understand, could you explain again the type of disability your daughter had? Because it was more than epilepsy, correct? Sure. Uh, so, so the epilepsy was... Uh, caused by a, a rare neurological disease called Rasmussen's encephalitis. And um, what that is is a neurological um, degenerative disease. It basically attacks one half of, of the brain and just begins destroying uh, brain cells. And uh, she was, by the time she went in for surgery, she had lost, already lost all function in her uh, left hand and uh, a lot of it in her left arm, and um, 
after surgery, as a result of the surgery, um, because they remove uh, so much of the brain, she now has a permanent limp. Um, and so, and she lost, uh, well, she'd already lost use of her hand, which she still does not have. Uh, and then she, she lose um, half of the vision on both eyes. So midline over, you lose uh, half of your vision. And then there's some, some cognitive uh, difficulties, although she does very well in dealing with those, but uh, sometimes it's harder for her to learn things than other children. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Under those circumstances, she did really well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's, she's now in a, in a mainstream classroom, uh, keeps up uh, with the other kids and the work they do, and just has a great attitude and just amazes every day. And how old is she? She's 11. Oh, that is just, that is wonderful. Well, thank goodness you did what you did to help other people and also other people listening to the show right now. I'm sure that there are people listening to the show that did not know about this, but that may be very interested in this. So, you know, it's always so great to know that you are not alone when you go through something like this. And when we come back from break, we'll talk to you more. We're talking to Chris and Christy Hall, co-founders of the Hemispherectomy Foundation. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. 
Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to Energy Medicine and Optimal Health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome to the show, everyone. We are ready to have a great show today. But first, I want to send a special hello out to my great friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, we all love you in the disability community. Thank you for everything you do, and thank you for keeping Justin my pleasure to have two really great people on the show, Chris and Christy Hall. They are two champions fighting for children living with disabilities. I'm so excited to have them, but I'm going to let them tell you their story. Chris, I'm going to start with you. Will you tell our listeners first what a hemispherectomy is and how that first impacted you and Christy? You bet, Joyce. Thank you so much for having us on your show today. Um, this is, of course, one of our big passions, and uh, I'm so excited to be here and, and with Christy and to tell you all about it. So our organization, the Hemispherectomy Foundation, is named after hemispherectomy, and what that is is it's, it's a radical brain surgery, okay, helping people with epilepsy. So it's usually on children. Uh, every once in a while, it'll be done on uh, an older, uh, young adults or uh, adults, but it's it's used to stop seizures when nothing else works. I mean, these kids have tried medicines, they've tried vagus nerve stimulators, they've tried all the latest, and nothing else works. So it's it's really a last resort treatment of children with epilepsy. Um, so basically, when you break it down, hemispherectomy, hemisphere is half of a sphere, which they're talking about the brain. Ectomy is removal. So quite literally what they're saying in this name is, is that doctors go in and remove half the brain of a child. And, and you and your listeners ask, well, why in the world would anyone ever do that? Well, it's strange but true that, that children often do much, much better with half of a good brain than a whole brain where one half is seizing all the time and mixing up the whole communication between the whole brain. So it's really kind of strange that, that that's the way it works. And and um, and so anyway, a complicated term, but hemispherectomy. That's that's it. And before I ask you why that impacted you, a question I have: mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is this a life-threatening type surgery? Uh, yes, uh, it, it definitely is. I mean, any, any time a surgeon goes in through the dura and through the skull and, and works around or in the brain, um, 
and in this case they're actually removing a significant amount of brain tissue, it is definitely life-threatening. And, you know, as many of my listeners know, I'm living with epilepsy, and I had a terrible accident in 1985. As a result of the epilepsy, I had a seizure at a movie theater and hit my head so hard, I fractured my skull, had an intracranial brain hemorrhage, broke all the bones in my right ear, and ended up having life-saving brain surgery. But that was a craniotomy, and compared to what you're talking about, I know it's hard to believe any brain surgery is minor, but compared to what you're talking about, it is minor. And so, you know, that must really take a lot of fortitude for parents to agree to do that. Absolutely. A lot of fortitude, a lot of trust in the, in the doctors and the surgeons. They really have to kind of give it up uh, to, the, to the hospital staff and say, we trust you with our child's life. And how about the child? How do you get the child prepared for something like that? Um, it depends on their age. So, so this surgery is performed on children anywhere from, you know, several weeks old to in their teens. So depending on the age, um, for example, our daughter, Jessie, um, who started seizing when she was five, uh, could understand things. And we could, you know, she was a normally developing child um, up to the point she started having seizures. And, and so we could explain to her. We explained to her what was going to happen and where we were going to go to have it done. And, and she accepted it, but at a five-year-old level, right, not, at, not if you were trying to explain it to a 13-year-old who would just be mortified, you know, at the thought of it. Right. Well, I am familiar with it. I'm familiar with it only because I was so involved in the world of epilepsy and was the national chair of the board. And I know when you tell people this, they just cannot envision how anyone could function that way. But just as you said, for many people, this is a better choice for a quality of life. But, Christy, I have Mm -hmm. to ask you now, what did you know about this surgery when you first heard about it, and what impact did that have on you? Well, uh, we first heard about it when our daughter, Jessie, uh, was first diagnosed with epilepsy, but then her she started having symptoms kind of outside the norm of what you think of the epilepsy. Her fingers would start to twitch 24-7, and we were doing a lot of research online, and Chris especially, he would be up hours and hours all night long uh, researching. And one day he motioned me over the computer and he said, now, this is extreme and I'm sure Jesse doesn't have this disease, but look at this disease and look what they're recommending to, to help with it. It's a hemispherectomy. They're removing half of a child's brain. Can you believe it? (laughs) Of course I could not believe it. I couldn't even grasp the thought of it. And um, so we, you know, quickly dismissed it because, of course, Jesse wouldn't need that surgery. But then as time went on and um, her disease, Rasmussen encephalitis, kept resurfacing as probably what was going on. And then finally when the neurosurgeon sat us down in the consultation room, we, we had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen, but still hearing it from the doctor's mouth. <laughs> You know, she has to undergo a hemispherectomy. It it just absolutely blew us away. Um, you know, until that point, until you heard it from someone else, it was something you just read about. It wasn't really real. But then when you uh, 
hear it coming from your neurosur neurosurgeon or your neurologist, it, um, it's like someone kicking you in the stomach. You can't breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would be the same way. Was Jesse having nonstop seizures? Is that what was happening? You know, we didn't really realize that she was. She would have complex partial seizures that were gradually building in number, but she started having this twitching with her fingers and in her face, and we did not realize it at the time until later, but that she was having seizures 24-7 nonstop. So that term is called, um, and forgive me if I mispronounce it, epilepsia continui partialis, mm -hmm. or EPC. <clears throat> and so you see this a lot in um, brain diseases that, especially Rasmussen's encephalitis, that may affect one side of the brain. And is that, was the diagnosis of your daughter? Yes. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I think that not enough people know about this because, Chris, isn't it true you searched and searched and searched for a support group without much success? And, and why do you think that was? Yeah, Joy, it's true. There was there was almost no uh, no information out there, and and luckily, unlike people you know ten, fifteen, twenty years ago that didn't have the internet, at least we had the internet. Um, but there wasn't much there, and and you know we we just wanted someone to talk to. That's it. Someone that had been there to help us through and navigate this path, and 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 there was really nothing. We you know we tried to contact some of the larger epilepsy organizations, and and uh, they really couldn't help us. And we participated in some online forums, and there wasn't much help there. And and, and I'm not not slamming those organizations in any, in any way because they do a great job. But what I'm saying is, is it's so rare. And, and there's so few that they really didn't know what to do to help us. Um, you know, in the, in the parent groups, the parent forums we participated in, there were two things going on there, I think. This is just my opinion. One is there were very few uh, that had any experience or none. And the second was, quite frankly, it scared the heck out of the parents that were, that were communicating with us because, you know, they, their child had epilepsy, but... The last thing they wanted is for their child's epilepsy to develop into the kind of epilepsy our child had. So I think it was kind of scary for them to talk to us. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's wonderful that you did all of this because I'm sure there were many people in your same situation that wanted someone to talk to because it is so unusual. That's right, and, and we finally <clears throat> found a, a small group um, of individuals that had set up a, a group on an online forum, and that was really the start of us building a rather large uh, network of uh, families uh, that could help each other. Um, and just so our, our uh, listeners understand, could you explain again the type of disability your daughter had? Because it was more than epilepsy, correct? Sure. Uh, so, so the epilepsy was... Uh, caused by a, a rare neurological disease called Rasmussen's encephalitis. And um, what that is is a neurological um, degenerative disease. It basically attacks one half of, of the brain and just begins destroying uh, brain cells. And uh, she was, by the time she went in for surgery, she had lost, already lost all function in her uh, left hand. 
and uh, a lot of it in her left arm. And um, after surgery, as a result of the surgery, um, because they remove uh, so much of the brain, she now has a permanent limp. Um, and so, and she lost, uh, well, she'd already lost use of her hand, which she still does not have. Uh, and then she, you lose um, half of the vision on both eyes. So midline over, you lose uh, half of your vision. And then there's some, some cognitive uh, difficulties, although she does very well in dealing with those, but uh, sometimes it's harder for her to learn things than other children. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Under those circumstances, she did really well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's she's now in a in a mainstream classroom, uh, keeps up uh, with the other kids and the work they do, and just has a great attitude and just amazes every day. And how old is she? She's 11. Oh, that is just, that is wonderful. Well, thank goodness you did what you did <clears throat> to help other people and also other people listening to the show right now. I'm sure that there are people listening to the show that did not know about this, but that may be very interested in this. So, you know, it's always so great to know that you are not alone when you go through something like this. And when we come back from break, we'll talk to you more. We're talking to Chris and Christy Hall, co-founders of the Hemispherectomy Foundation. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom, and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We're talking to Chris and Christy Hall, co-founders of the Hemisphorectomy Foundation, started as a result of their daughter, Jessie, Um, let's see, we have five regional directors. Um, we have five specialty directors that deal with the various diseases uh, that we deal with. Um, we have one person that's in the office that, that uh, deals with the office-type paperwork. Of course, Christy and I are, are trying to lead the charge all the time. And then we have backup folks that help. Uh, we have a director of our Hemi Hugs program that delivers or uh, sends out packages all over the world to children going through the surgery. Um, we have uh, experts that, that can uh, our families can ask questions to um, regarding the disease they're dealing with or uh, physical therapy issues, uh, occupational therapy issues, vision issues. Um, we have someone that does our newsletter. Um, and then in and out, various volunteers that really keep us going that, that may work just for a few hours for us or just, you know, come in and work for on one project that we do. Uh, we have things going going on all year long, so um, a lot of our volunteers are just very short-term, and then they may come back on the project the next year. And um, uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, exactly how many people run the organization, it's hard to say. Uh, it takes it takes a, a village. Right. Uh, well, approximately, what is the size of the foundation? I, I'm meaning, is this, uh, like, do you have millions of dollars in revenue? How, how large is it? Uh, yeah, I wish. Um, no, we're, we're, we're a very small organization. We run on less, our yearly budget runs on less than 100000 a year. Um, we get a lot done with that, uh, and we hope someday to be a million-dollar uh, your organization, because I, I can't imagine all the things we can do to help families uh, with that kind of money. I mean, some of our programs include financial assistance, because most of these families have to travel long distances to have the surgery done. Um, we help uh, families travel to our yearly national conference that we do. Uh, we bring families from all over the U.S., all over the world, really, together in one place once a year. Uh, so they can listen to expert speakers and 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 uh, talk to each other and share their experiences and share their you know uh, ways they're getting around their disabilities that kind of thing. Uh, we do the Hemi Hugs program that Christy talked about. We fund uh, when we can uh, research and other organizations that are doing research into the issues that our kids are facing. Um, but as you know, it's never enough. I mean, we never have enough money to do what we want to do. Uh, but we'll be there someday. Well, if you're listening to the show right now, uh, this would be a good thing to contribute to. 
because you can only help so many families. You need the resources to do that. So I hope you really listen to this and take this seriously because I think this is such an unbelievable story. So, Chris, what is your other, and Christy, do you have another job or how do you do this? (laughs) Yes, we, we, go ahead, go ahead, Christy. Well, we both work full time and then we also have four children and, you know, one of those is Jesse. And so um, we are going Going, going. Yeah, so the Hemi Foundation, the Hemi Foundation uh, comes into play after all the kids are in bed and, and we finished our regular job for the day and then we work on Hemi Foundation stuff and on weekends. Wow, you guys are unbelievable. You know, I have to say this because <clears throat> I've been in this world of not-for-profits for for so long. And, you know, you're getting more done than other organizations get in done where the people work every day just there. So my hat's off to you because you two obviously have a dedication uh, and a passion that is insurmountable. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's a fact. I mean, you have full-time job, full-time family, and then you have the foundation. Unbelievable that you do so much. So how many children, Chris, do you believe go through this serious procedure, you know, throughout the uh, annually, and what is usually the outcome for someone listening that would be interested? Sure, Joyce. That, that's an excellent question. Um, it's hard to answer because there's not a, a centralized database that, that the hospitals share to, to write this information. I can, I can give you some information about what we collect, and we collect about two registrations per week. So um, that's worldwide. Uh, so potentially we're getting you know, let's say a quarter of those that go through the surgery that actually register with us, so maybe six to eight a week. Um, but, but like I said, it's hard to tell. I know we do get two, approximately two registrations per week. And, and the outcome, the outcome varies considerably depending on the disease um, and and how bad a shape the child was in before they went in for surgery. So, for example, a disease like Jesse had, Rasmussen's encephalitis, because the good side of their brain, quote-unquote, is in really good shape and functions very, very well, a lot of those kids do amazingly well. Some of them will go to college. Some of them will get married and have kids and, and, and move on with a life, live independently. Um, there are other diseases uh, uh, different varying levels of cortical dysplasia and hemimegalencephaly um, where the child's brain is in, in just such bad shape, even the quote-unquote good side of the brain is in really bad shape. And the outcomes are generally always either seizure control or seizure abatement to a significant level. Um, how they do in, in terms of like it, whether they'll live independently or whether they'll you know, be able to go to a regular classroom in school, those kinds of things really just depend on, on how good a shape the, the child's brain was to begin with. So it, it varies. Um, the disabilities of these children can be from a, uh, what they all have, which is a minor limp and, and, and non-use of, of one hand and a visual cut, all the way to, you know, uh, non-ambulatory, uh, non-verbal um, 
not not able to eat on their own, those kinds of things. So it varies quite a bit. But the surgery itself generally always gives them a better um, quality of life than they would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And if, if I may jump in here, too, really the surgery is just the beginning of this new journey families are going through because after they go through the surgery, they have the initial rehabilitation, the ongoing therapy, dealing with orthotics, um, school, um, social issues, and even considering lifetime support, financial support. So uh, going through the surgery and trying to um, relieve or, or stop the seizures is just the beginning to the whole story. That's such a good point, Christy. And, you know, just like Jesse, our daughter, even though she's doing so well and so amazing in school and everything else she does, she still goes to, to physical therapy twice a week. Uh, so, like Christy said, this is this is ongoing. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is so true. That would only be step one. Um, and, of course, step one, everyone's so thrilled because, you know, you're alive, your child has lived. But I would assume that would be a very involved, long-going process of therapy and, just as you said, all these other issues you have to deal with. Um, and that's why I think that anyone listening to the show, you can, you know, it's very hard to work out of a vacuum and think you're alone, but if you're in this situation, here you have people to talk to, you have a foundation to go to, and if I were you and I was in that situation, I know that's the first thing I would be doing. So here's a question, Chris and Christy, what can we do to help you? So we have a lot of things going on during the year um, that, that all need need help. Um, so I think if anyone really wants to help, if anyone really, really out there wants to get involved with us specifically, is is go to our website and uh, sign up for our newsletter. And we put the newsletter out about four times a year, and it talks about the events we have coming up, the activities that are going on, and there may just be something going on in your state or in your city or uh, something that you can do virtually from your city to help us. And, and uh, that's probably you know, the first thing to do. Now, if you love you love the idea of our foundation, you love what we're doing for these kids, and you have uh, the financial means, we always accept donations, and those help us tremendously. And you can do that through a secure online donation, or there's also a place on our website that tells where you can mail mail checks in. But, but we also understand these are hard times. Uh, people's uh, money that they can give to charities, charity is low right now. So... Um, like I said, look look at our newsletter. Uh, give me a call. My, our Christie's and my contact number uh, information is on our website. And just say, hey, Chris and Christy, I like what you guys are doing. What can I do to help? And we can find a place for you. <clears throat> oh yeah, that that is uh, absolutely. So we're talking about donations, helping following, supporting. As you just said, I'm sure there's so much that people could do to help get this message out. Again, the website again? Is uh, www.hemifoundation.org. Now, you mentioned, uh, both of you, that you have directors in different regions. So what is their role? Are they there just to cover different states, or how does that work? 
Yeah, that's right. They're segmented in two ways. One is regionally, and each of our regional directors is responsible for a group of states um, dividing up the United States, and one's responsible for uh, foreign outside the United States. And then we're also divided with other directors by the diseases. Basically, there's five diseases uh, in general that lead to hemispherectomy uh, and seizures that can't be controlled, and they're responsible for uh, helping in that particular disease area. And, and what we want to do is when somebody registers with us, we know that they're in the scared and scariest part of their life, that they're dealing with emotions that most people can't even comprehend. And what we want to do as soon as that registration comes through is we want to be able to contact them immediately and say, hey, you're not alone. And we can help connect you with people that can help you through this journey. And we're going to stick with you the whole way. So, so the ones that are in the, the regional areas can find someone in your state, in your city. Uh, in some cases, we found people that are just a few blocks down the road from each other and, and help link those people up so they have kind of a mentor to help them through the process. And then on, on the disease side, if people have specific questions, for example, what are some signs of Erasmus encephalitis, uh, our director of Erasmus encephalitis would contact them and help answer that question. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to break and get ready to close the show. But if you just joined us, we've been talking to Chris and Christy Hall, co-founders of the Hemispherectomy Foundation, and you'll be able to go to our website and voiceamerica.com and hear the show again. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Com. Don't go away. We'll be back with Chris and Christy. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back. 
I hope that you got to hear this show today with Chris and Christy Hall, co-founders of the Hemispherectomy Foundation. If you hear just this part and you want to hear more, remember, you can go to BenderConsult.com or VoiceAmerica.com. Go to my show, Disability Matters, with Joyce Bender, and you'll be able to hear the show um, after it's been you know, put on, which is very quickly. So, Chris and Christy, um, I just admire you so much and everything you've done, but you have both accomplished so much. But I want to ask each of you what you consider your greatest accomplishment. And, Chris, I'll start with you. Oh, goodness. You know, we have four wonderful kids. they're the four three boys are teenagers and Jesse's uh, 11 and I guess our greatest accomplishment is is watching them grow and trying to develop them into uh you know citizens that are going to contribute someday um of course Christine I've been married 25 years now and that's a something I'm I'm proud of and I know she is and you know the the foundation is a great thing but um that we're, that we're proud of, um, but I think the personal things are what's most important. Christy, how do, how do you feel? Oh, I would totally agree. Uh, family, for sure, is our greatest accomplishment, especially in the world right now. It is so crazy with all the technology and everything going on, and the kids have so much uh, thrown at them that it, it's just uh, – a blessing to see them grow up and do well and just to be able to expand our family to the hemispherectomy families. Um, you know, it just, uh, it's very fulfilling. Well, let me ask you this, something we didn't talk about. Your other children, how do they deal with this? As siblings, how has this impacted them? <laughs> they treat they treat Jesse just like they would any other little sister. They They pick on her. They're, they, they, you know, the, the, but they're sweet. Sometimes you turn around and they're being really sweet, but they don't, they don't give her any slack. They, they, uh, probably her best sis. therapist, actually. Yeah, that's right. They <laughs> her make three her older work. brothers. And but the best we're therapist. Why do you say that? Best. I'm sorry. Why do you say that? Best therapist. Yeah. Well, they're constantly pushing her. And um, physically and emotionally, physically and emotionally, <laughs> and it's nothing to see Big Brother taking off with Jesse across the field, and they're going to go climb, climb something or whatever. I mean, they do not see her as someone that has a disability. So um, having them treat her that way and just expect her to do what they're doing is um, just a great advantage for her, I think. They sure don't coddle her, do they? No, they do not. (laughs) You know what, though? That is so awesome. That is the way it should be because my life is I'm on a crusade for competitive employment for people Mm -hmm. with disabilities. And when you coddle the child or make them feel as if there's something wrong with them or shelter them too much, they never make it. You know, they can't make it then in the world. And, and that is why I'm so glad to hear that. I think that's great. Well, thank you. And she's a go-getter. I mean, she was even kneeboarding the other day. So, you know, her brothers do it. She's, you know, she might have to make some adjustments, but by golly, she's going to figure out a way to do it too. 
Well, let me ask you this question. Do you feel through this process that it has sensitized your other children more to having more empathy for people with disabilities? I, th I think it has to. Uh, sometimes they still embarrass us, as all kids do their parents, and especially when we're in kind of a high-profile position amongst uh, the disability community, specifically the Hemispherectomy Foundation community. Um, they'll say or do things that, that embarrass us, but, but I think by and large, and especially when they start hitting young adulthood and adulthood, it's going to make a huge difference in their lives and how, how they treat other people and uh, uh, how they think about other people. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I guarantee you that it will because that's just what happens, you know, as people are growing up. Now, how about bullying? Has Jessie had to deal with that at all? She hasn't uh, that we know of other than by her own brothers. But uh, uh, we talk about it all the time. You know, Jesse, this might happen. Um, what's your game plan? And we actually have her tell us, you know, what would you do? And then we would give her some advice. Well, you know, you might want to consider doing this too or or whatever. So having her actively uh, think about it and plan for any situation, I think, and hope uh, is beneficial for her. I think so because... Um, I have a big national campaign on bullying because children with disabilities are more bullied than any other group. But mm -hmm. I always tell people that's why you have to empower someone right. so, so that they are able to deal with that. I wouldn't suspect I could envision people giving her a very hard time with those brothers. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty protective of her. So, uh, yeah, I pity the kid that tries to, you know, pull something with Jessie. <laughs> now, now Jessie herself, how, how does she feel about her situation? What is she, does she not care at all, or what does she say? Well, she's only 11 now, so right now she doesn't care. She, she, she's just a happy-go-lucky kid that, that nothing gets in her way, and, and she doesn't even think about those things, or at least not and doesn't talk to us about them. Um, right. but, the, but that's, you know, coming up on 12, 13, 14, some of that's going to change. Um, but right now, she's just a happy kid. Now, you were talking about the impacts this has had on her. So she has to wear some type of corrective lens for her vision, I assume. No. Actually, she, she has glasses because she's myopic, nearsighted. But that's it. Um, she has learned to... Uh, accommodate her vision loss, and even all these kids, too, we didn't even touch on this, have neglect. It's kind of a, you hear that with traumatic brain injuries where, you know, half their world does not exist to them. But um, she has totally accommodated, and I think most people would not even realize she had a vision loss. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember when she first got out of the hospital, she was walking out the door, and she, she, she just bumped into the side of the door jam because she didn't see it there. And, and she looked at the door jam like, what are you doing there? But, but she doesn't do any of that anymore. She's totally just adjusted her vision and, and how she navigates through the world. Mm -hmm. Christy, what was that comment you made about neglect? What, what were you talking about there? Well, kids that go through hemispherectomy surgery, one of the, uh, besides having hemiplegia and hemianopsia, and 
they also they also have what's called neglect, and you see this with uh, traumatic brain injury, where you know just basically if you drew a line just straight down the middle, or you know, if you're looking straight ahead, and let's say you had a right brain injury, everything on the left side of your world would just does not exist anymore. Um, and so it's something through lots of therapy that um, kids learn, or even adults that go through uh, tra traumatic brain injury learn to accommodate, and they learn to pay attention to that neglected side. They learn, I see. Like, for instance, Jesse wore a watch that vibrated every 30 minutes for the longest time just well, to remind see, her she that, had a left hand. That information, even that is the accommodations, having accommodations. Right. I want mm -hmm. to tell you what, I have enjoyed having both of you on the show so much today. But I know we're getting ready to close the show, which I always end with a quote from someone in history, past or present, that has impacted lives. And today, this quote so fits both of you. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile, said Albert Einstein. Chris and Christy, thank you for being with us. We've enjoyed having you on. I hope everyone follows them. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.